I always wonder if you are able to hear the dogs that I'm able to hear. No. I was unaware that there were dogs there. Yeah. There's a few. You should we should let the Baja men know. I am well you found out you found out. I know who. (laughs) Who? (laughs) Who? Who? (laughs) Tell you what. I know who let the dogs out. Everybody in this neighborhood. <laughs> Welcome to the Sprocket Podcast, where we are simplifying the good life, unquote. I'm Brock Dittis. <laughs> and I'm Aaron Flores, broadcasting from the anarchist jurisdiction of Portland, nestled in the heart of Cascadia. It's a lovely place. This is the show where we bring you somewhat irreverent conversations about the intricacies of thinking locally with a global perspective and enjoying the best that life has to offer along the way. Covering bicycling, trains in transit, adventures in life hacks, and today, first-timer stories. That's right. We've got Karen and Keith. Karen was uh, uh, someone who tuned into the webinar that I participated in with Mountain Shop PDX, and uh, they had a uh, they've they've had a couple of awesome little uh, adventure things that are still going on. They're still doing them from time to time, uh, but I participated in one with a fellow named Bo from the Bend area who uh, was a gravel cyclist, and um, I am I'm the guy who tries to break his bike. So uh, they had <laughs> me on to cover kind of the full gamut of things gravel riding and touring so karen tuned in and karen said that sounds like fun i'd like to do it and then later she caught up with me on instagram and said hey i did that trip i I took a trip because i heard that uh you know that it could be done and so turns out uh karen's friend keith was uh pretty knowledgeable about bicycles and uh, they all struck out together into the great uh unknown to have a great time so uh we're gonna have them on to talk about that in just a minute yeah yeah but uh, how are you first of all what's going on with you I'm, I'm doing all right. I, Are you feeling okay? I'm fe- feeling what fine. You yeah. sure? Yeah. You don't look that great. Oh really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I was gonna say it's probably the lighting. <laughs> <laughs> so, nah. I, I'll, I'll let you in on a little secret here. Yes. I have a lamp. Oh, it actually doesn't look too bad now. I have yeah, a lamp. It's all right. A uh, grainier. That I set up. It does. Um, the magic the, of remote of teleconference recording. Yeah, the light in the overhead light in this room is not so great, and a lot of okay. times it washes it washes it out to like ah. where you can just barely see me at all. Right, so you um, have nice film lighting there. So <laughs> right behind uh, the camera. Yeah, my desk lamp. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, uh, um, I think I'm pretty sure that the camera on my laptop is probably twice as old as the camera on your laptop. And I know for a fact I am grainy and I wash out occasionally. Actually, you don't look so much as grainy as like more like a watercolor. Oh, okay. <laughs> like a Russ Roca watercolor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pathless pedal? It looks like I'm having an know, adventure I, out in the hills. If I, if I was on top of things I'm and, not. and knew how to take a screen cap, I would do exactly that. <laughs> Then send it off to the him as a commission. Oh, there we go. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah. And then we could do like a collaborative, like, you know, sell the thing to the highest bidder and split the profits or what have you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Or donate them to charity. Or split the profits with charities. Well, there's always that. 
Um, I think, uh, don't they say that, like, if you, what, if you say a thing, you put it out in the universe, that it's more likely it will happen? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so we said the, it. our email address is thesprocketpodcast at gmail.com, and you can write there to tell us how you will send that to us and ask for an address. That, Easy. Yeah. Easy. Couldn't be simpler. <laughs> so... <laughs> we talked a little we talked a little bit about a uh, uh, bike maintenance and and mechanicals and I yeah. kind of got a crash course in and well I mean I've always kind of worked on and tinkered on my bikes. That's so, right. Would you say you had a point of engagement with mechanical things? Oh, did I? <laughs> 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 I'm still ultra paranoid about it. So I thought I I thought I literally broke my rear hub it it turns out it's supposed to do that it's supposed to break it's it's supposed to come off like that the free hub body separates from the main hub okay yeah the main body of the hub and so you don't have to take the cassette off there's just essentially a little cap on the axle that holds it all on and then of course with the the frame being there and this the quick release skewer holding it all to the frame it's it stays together while it's on the bike i got gotcha. you um, as it's supposed and, to and i've taken this bike apart and put it together several times over the years but for some reason this particular time the little cap that holds the free hub body onto the rest of the hub like popped off and then the free hub body all comes off and I just panicked. Ooh, oh, I yeah. freaked out. This like it's never going back together. Yeah. Well, and this culminates like three days of having like flat tire after flat tire after flat tire. And then uh, I'm fixing I'm fixing the tire, realize, oh, this surly extraterrestrial that I have in the back, I've had it for, you know, over a year, maybe two. Yeah. Um, it's it's just spent. Like there's a big gash in the in the tread. So and I had patched it with a dollar bill at some point, and that was all torn apart too. So right. That's the thing they don't tell you about the dollar bill trick. Because the dollar dollar bill trick is great. Like you can you can fold it up. It's made of cotton, right? So it's super yeah. strong. It's supposed to go through like every yep. soda machine in the country eight times at least uh, before it starts to fall apart. And so you can put that in your tire and and boot something up if you're trying to keep intrusions from getting to your uh, your your rubber tube. Yeah, but uh, it's it, it's very difficult to pass this dollar off as legal tender. Right. After this. Even though it is legal it tender for is. all debts, I, public I, and private. I I don't know who I would take it to at this point. You could pay your taxes <laughs> or you could buy something for the beer mongers. Either one is fine. That says so on the bill. I, but you I have would, to be able to read it. I I love the beer mongers too much to try to pass that <laughs> off to them. <laughs> Here's a tip. Like, here you go. <laughs> what is this? this? Looks like a dollar on one side and like duct tape on the other. <laughs> Here's a tip: buy some toughies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, it uh, yeah, it, it works for a certain amount of time. Oh yeah, my accountant has told me I can no longer buy uh, anything other than marathon tires. Okay, uh, marathon and not Schwalbe. Or wait, oh, Schwalbe well, marathon. Yeah, Schwalbe marathon. Gotcha. Okay. No less than a marathon. Marathon plus, preferable, but marathons. Uh, not exactly a budget choice per se, 
No, but in the long run, it saves you time, which gets you to work on time, which yes. ultimately is good for your budget. Yes. Yeah. And saves my stress. Yeah. Uh, these are, of course, on the way to or from work, I'm assuming. These flats, they were, so they all must have happened on the way to work, and I Naturally. didn't discover them until I was like done with my shift and ready to go home. Oh, that's the worst of both worlds, right? Because like it happens on the ride in. And you think you're okay, and then you get to the end, and you're like, ah, I yeah, gotta do yeah. this. I'm, okay. I'm in the building, I do my work, I come back out, and uh, there's a flat tire there. I've been there multiple times. Yeah. It's not um, good. And well, I mean, are you, because I think I've talked about me being the kind of person who will pump up their tires multiple times because they hold enough air. Like they don't hold air necessarily, the, but they I, leak slowly yep. enough that you can, like, you go for a couple of days, you're like, ah, I'll fix it soon. I did that with this last round of flat okay. tires. So the first time was my Brompton, and that was that was cool in the sense that I've never changed a flat on a Brompton before. And, right? Is it and a pain so in the ass, or is it okay? It's all right. It's there's you got to pay more attention in the sense uh-huh. like uh, there's it's bolt on for one, and so then there's some pieces that you got to kind of keep track of, um, and then it's That's the internal right? gear hub. Uh, also is a thing where, you know, you got that chain that comes out to, from the hub to your, uh, gear cable, your, you know, your oh, cables. And the tires um, kind of wrapped around all of that. Well, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't take the tire off and change the tire without dealing with that or separating that. Um, and so it was just, it was just a couple things to keep track of as opposed yeah. to, you know, just pulling the tire off changing the the tube and putting the tire back on like like yeah. you would regularly. Um but I liked that experience and that, you know, it's it's a chance to learn something new. Right. Um, and then change that and then it went flat again. Um ah. the uh patches that I use don't enjoy a uh very good reputation and I realize why they don't <laughs> enjoy that reputation. <laughs> Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I should have just gone with the tried and true. You know that green plastic, yes, uh, rectangular. Uh, the uh, uh, the German, uh, what have you, whatever it is. I don't even. I don't even know the brand. It's it's just. Yeah. You know, you go into a shop, you say, "I need some patches," and that's the one they give you. Right, right. And now they have the ones that uh, they have the uh, the three digital zeros and a colon that are like in a no time, like yes. it sets immediately. Yeah, as opposed to you used to have to like sit there and, and time it out and wait for it to, to kind of adhere or whatever. Yeah. Uh, now, now it's uh, even more, as they said when I was in Germany, unflattable. Unflattable. Oh, I yes. like that. Yeah. 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 So it was flat tire hell for a little while and then exploded my rear hub. I took it to Clever. <laughs> and the <laughs> Clever good, Cycles. The good Clever Cycles. Shop. Yeah, great shop. It was where I got the hub. Um, I was half expecting it to be like, oh yeah, you're going to have to like get this warrantied out. That'll be $300 um, <laughs> and five weeks. Right. Yeah. Uh, and the mechanic there is the same guy who, you know, ordered this for me and explained this hub to me. Yeah. Um, and he was like, no, it's, it's supposed to do that. Well, that's good. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> that makes you feel a lot better about yes. things. <laughs> and to feel a little, I felt a little dumb. Because he said, like, yeah, remember when I when I got you this hub, or when you got this hub, you know, um, I explained, like, this this thing comes apart, and here are the advantages why. And I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this whole conversation now. <laughs> That's better to, yeah. It's better to feel dumb than to feel disheartened and in debt. Uh, that's true. 
that's true. Uh, so the point, it's actually really cool because it's on the drive side. Duh, it's the free hub body. The point is, is, like, if you're out in the middle of nowhere and you, like, bust a spoke or you have to remove a spoke on the drive side by any any reason, you know, rather than carrying all the cassette tools, which is going to weigh you down, you know, you just pull that cap off and then you slide the free hub body off. Now you've got unfettered access to your to your hub and your spokes there. Easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of. <laughs> I don't know that we ever talked to Russ and Laura when they were doing all the Brompton touring. Uh, I don't know if we ever talked to them. Oh, about... that wasn't on my Brompton. To be to be oh, clear. Oh, sorry. That, okay, sorry. That was on the trucker. That's the. So it doesn't matter if we talk to Russ and Laura about that or not. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, that that uh, I mean, for most people, uh, it would be more likely for you to be out in the middle of nowhere and to have to do something about it. Right. Okay, yeah. All the pictures online were of the hub, and so I didn't get the context of the larger bicycle. Right, that makes sense. So my theory is the reason why that came off so easily this last time is just because if you look at those pictures, it's just coated in dirt and gunk and Uh everything and and just, you know, age. And my theory is just enough gunk got in there that it it eventually, like, wedged it off enough. Sure. You know. Intrusion by dirt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I made sure to clean And uh, entropy. Yeah. <laughs> Good times. Well, so you got it all back together and you're all got set it all to go. Back together. Yeah, and you know, the bearings are fine. It's it's a uh, sealed cartridge bearings. It's not cup and cone, so that was that was never a worry. Very good. Yeah. Uh, I know there's a big outpouring of support, I think, on uh, Facebook of like, oh, yeah, Clever Cycles, <laughs> totally the place to go. Yeah. Everybody, yeah, th- this is where you go to fix all your problems. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess maybe this would be helpful. I don't know how many listeners would pick this up or not, but um, if if someone goes to the Sprocket Podcast Facebook page, uh, I'm the person that reads those. If someone goes to the Instagram, it's probably pretty obvious that you're the person that does that. <laughs> it's it's um, pretty obvious, yeah. And I think uh, I think Guthrie toys around maybe with the Twitter account a little bit, and sometimes bit. I'm there, but yeah. But we're largely vacant from Twitter. We only go there when um, when there's a little you know notification. Uh, there's a number over the Twitter thing. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess someone is trying to get in touch with us, and so. Uh, I guess Twitter is supposed to be kind of like you know, what's happening in real time in many cases, right? So that is not the case for us. We get to yeah. Twitter maybe once every two we weeks or something. We don't live in real time. No, no. And we don't have a Pinterest. We don't have a TikTok. <laughs> we don't have uh, – what else do the kids use? Um, there's a lot of things we don't have. We don't have a WhatsApp. That's right, Snapchat. <laughs> I mean, if any of you – I guess if this would be helpful, I, I think we know we do have what Strava. we can do. We do have a Strava account, right? And Sebastian <laughs> Poole created the Sprocket Podcast uh, team, right? The, uh, the the group. And so, uh, if you wanna if you wanna peep on what your fellow listeners are doing, uh, that's a good place to do it. You can see all of my walks to work. You <laughs> that's can see, awesome uh, that you have walks to work on your Strava. Yeah, you can see my hikes in the woods because I found out um, you can you can actually GPS track your hikes without having. Um, what like like an internet connection? Like it'll just keep track of all that GPS data that the phone is capable of doing, whether right. you have service or not. And then when it gets back in touch, it's like, hey, this is where you were, and this wow. is how many calories you burn, and that's why I do it, so I can you yeah. know know how much I can eat. So, um, yeah, it's uh, that that's where we are, anyways. So, if you're somewhere where we are, and we don't seem like we're there much, that's why. Uh, but you can always write to us at the Sprocket Podcast at Gmail dot com. 
or you can text at 503-847-9774. Nice. I don't think spells anything. Did we ever figure out, does it like spell anything? I haven't tried. Well, okay. Does nine even spell anything? Let's, <laughs> let's oh. give that assignment to our listeners. Let's see. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, mechanical issues. Yeah. I don't have any. I'm good. That's good. Yeah. Um, I, I have been riding that cargo bike that uh, EJ Finneran donated, and my son is a big fan of cargo bike rides. Oh, so that was EJ that gave you the bike. It was. Awesome. Yeah, I wasn't sure That's if you cool. wanted to be called out publicly, and I mean, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to get uh, accolades and people being like, I think everyone that listens to this should tag him and say, he's the most generous person in Portland. Yes. Uh, that would definitely be a thing, <laughs> um, because it's true. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, uh, let's see, I, uh, yeah, my son was out in the garage because we were talking about things that are tall and things that are not, mm-hmm. uh, tall is one of his like eight words right now. And nice. so, um, I, I said, let's go into the garage and see which bike is tall. Cause I have a tall bike. Right. Um, but once I got into the garage, he was like, Ooh, the cargo bike. And he grabs his helmet and like starts trying to put it on. <laughs> um, and he was sorely disappointed that I had to come upstairs and do this instead of, uh, instead oh, of no. take him on a ride. So we have a plan to, uh, we've got some cans to take to the bottle drop and get our deposit for. Uh, so I think we're going to load up the cans at him and we'll go out and uh, drop those off. Oh, nice. Uh, you know, I don't know, go to the, go to the water and drink a bubble water or something. So he really, so, he really likes riding then the cargo he's bike. He's a big fan. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's just, uh, just a couple weeks in and he's like, he, he can't get enough. So here's to hoping. Keeps yeah. On, keeps on being a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially once number two shows up, it's going to be really helpful uh, to have that, for, you know, for him, I think, is, to, to go do something. Ah, uh, okay. I was going to say, is yeah. that big enough for the both of them to sit in? We'll find oh, out. I mean, okay. you know, when he's first born, uh, he would he would need a bunch of protective gear. So, true, um, true. yeah, I don't know that there are laws that speak specifically to that. And I don't know how the laws that exist apply. Um, so for the sake for the record, we'll just say that my son, my second son or my first son, neither one, you know, would be in a bicycle until they were at least six months old. Right. Because um, that's when you can what you can get a helmet or whatever. Anyways. Maybe that's for, I forget how that all breaks down. It's worth looking into. <laughs> Helmet law. But, uh, yeah. Yes. Yes. But, uh, you know, the younger of the two, uh, once he emerges into the world, will have bigger things on his plate than riding bicycles for, for a short time. So, yeah. Uh, but we've been thinking about that. Like, can we can we set it up in such a way that both would fit and both would enjoy, you know, the, the experience? So, we'll see. Right on. Yeah, I need to go and do my research and see kind of what other people's setups have looked like. So, you could you put the the trailer on the back of the cargo? We were talking about yeah. this because uh, we've already got three hitches: one on my bike and one on each of Adele's bikes. And um, you know that way we can swap the trailer with you know either of us as we feel the need. Sure. Um, but I wanted to get one for my tall bike because <laughs> if I fall off the tall bike. Not a big thing. I, I don't fall off the tall bike, but also if I did, you know, it would fall over the way the hitch is designed. The trailer would be fine. Oh. Um, so why not put one on there? And then we were also thinking like, why not have a hitch on the cargo bike so that, you know, if you wanted to carry cargo and groceries, you wanted to carry uh, a child and then, you know, groceries in the trailer. Like, you know, there, there are a number of ways to make that work. Sure. So, yeah. So we'll see. Well, hey, let's, uh, let's go to that interview that we did uh, with Karen and Keith. That sounds like a good idea. They had a good time, and uh, we'll let them tell you all about it.
Hey, what what is that you're drinking? Is that mm. uh, is that one of those? That is a grape Waterloo, which you can now find locally. <laughs> oh wow! I I'm not gonna say that I'm responsible for the local grocer carrying Waterloo in grape, but um, it wasn't until I made a big deal about not finding it locally that they started carrying it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I, I would say it's not beyond possibility that you, in fact, are the person that's responsible for bringing <laughs> grape Waterloo into the Pacific Northwest. Uh, we had it's, listener Keith, uh, different Keith, but Keith over in Indiana um, had easier access to that. And he was just like, hey, let's send some to Aaron because Aaron is a big fan of, uh, I guess, grape flavored non-alcoholic beverages, right? Yes, that's, yeah, that's a great way kinds. to put it. Yeah. And that's that's what Waterloo grape is. It's yeah. really I haven't tasted it actually. I have it's, no idea. It's the best of all of the sparkly waters that are out there. Yeah, yeah. Um I have here I'll show you. This is actually something I ordered from Ohio, but this is the uh Punk AF. Oh yeah. Which of course stands for Punk Aaron Flores. Yeah. I should be drinking um, that. Yeah, Brew Dog in Ohio makes. Uh, I think they are actually like a le- what legitimate brewery, as though the uh, the people who make non alcoholic beer are illegitimate, which is not really true because <laughs> I'm a big customer right now. Um, uh, so Karen and Keith, I um, I've spent 2020 not drinking, which has been terrible. Oh, nice. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it, it, I guess it's good. There are some health benefits. Uh, I feel awfully clear. I'm staring. Uh, I'm staring what this year is in the face, which is great. I guess. Um, you get. But, to, uh, you get. The whole thing un, unadulterated, un, uninfluenced by absolutely by any uh, any outside chemicals. Right. Yeah. So, anyway, so I've been trying to find the best non-alcoholic beers in America, um, and so the Brewdog Punk AF is actually pretty decent. Um, uh, it's it's one of those that. I don't know. A lot of these taste kind of like too watery or too uh, whatever else, like not substantial enough. This one doesn't taste too strong. Uh, it doesn't taste too weak. It's kind of everything you want out of like a cheap beer, I guess. So it's pretty good. And then uh, Athletic Brewing is the other one that I've found that I'm a big fan of. And they do they do hoppy non-alcoholic beer like nobody else does, which is really, really great because I, I did, miss hops. I did. I wouldn't say I liked their non-alcoholic IPA, but of the non-alcoholic beers I've had, uh, that was maybe my favorite yeah, and this is why you're not a, you're not getting the sponsorship from them. <laughs> yep, <laughs> I don't like their product, but if I have to drink it, it's better than the other one. <laughs> uh, Karen, Keith, do you guys have beverages with you? I do. Um, I actually have Polar Unicorn Tears. Oh, nice. Yeah, and so if you guys polar, have tried that, yeah, that, that's uh, that's a non-alcoholic option, right? That's uh, the flavored flavored bubbly. Yes. Unicorn yes. Tears. It's actually one of my favorites from them, but I wish they had it in larger cans. So what there we is, go. What is that flavor? Like, I don't know how to describe it. Really. <laughs> <laughs> you just have to try it. Okay. But it's really good. Because I, I, that's what I see. I see it in the, uh, in the grocery store, and I'm curious, but I'm also, not, I guess, too tentative. You're wary. Yes. Curious, but wary. Curious and concerned. It, it's different. I I like it over, uh, say the grapefruit from Polar. That one is good as well. Um, but I think the Unicorn Tears is my favorite so far that I've tried. Pamplemousse, right, is the uh, Lacroix flavor, which yes. I think is what French for grapefruit. Yes, uh, grapefruit is the best flavor. I think we've determined. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Kara, what are you drinking? I also have sparkling water um, nice. from Trader Joe's Spindrift. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's orange and mango flavor. And that's the one that has, like, legitimate fruit flavor in it or, like, legitimate fruit derivatives? Yes. Cool deal. Very good. Well, well done, you guys. I'm going to open this up. And then I think we can get started. All right. Nice. I'll introduce you guys. Uh, we've got Karen and Keith. And Karen and Keith are bicycle campers both. Uh, Karen, a first-time bicycle camper, and Keith, a many-time bicycle camper. Is that accurate? No, not, uh, I've, not many times. I've done it a couple times, but in the times that I've done it, I've had a great time. There we go. First-time bicycle camper and a couple-time bicycle camper. Yes, a couple times. <laughs> Nice. Um, and Karen, you were, uh, you were an attendee. I was, uh, I was helping out with uh, mountain shop did a bicycling episode. Mountain shop has had a cool, uh, webinar series. And, uh, we talked a little bit about what it's like to, uh, go out and bicycle camp and ride on gravel and such. And, um, I think the gist of my presentation was, uh, go out and see if you can break your bike. And so is, <laughs> is that what you remember, Karen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Very good. And so you said that sounds like something fun. And so you said, let's, let's uh, see if I can find an opportunity. Yep. And I took notes um, during that presentation, just like what type of routes uh, and resources to look at as far as um, where to find routes. And also um, you shared in that presentation, what kind of, I think what kind of bike or like you started with or um, what kind of bike you used throughout the, over the years and just kind of took notes and I wanted to make sure that I had the right bike. I guess at the end of the day, whatever bike you have, you can use for, you know, a bike packing trip. I agree. Yeah. But there are a few that may not be as up to the task as others. So like, don't let your bike stop you, but also make sure you know what you're, you're getting into, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. Uh, did you get a new bike for this or was, did you find the one that you had would do the job? Uh, yeah, I just used my hybrid. I have a hybrid uh, bike, and Keith helped me um, put some. I have the thinner tires. Sorry, I don't really know a lot of technical stuff about bikes, but um, I have thinner tires, and Keith helped me with uh, letting me borrow his tires with threads, more threads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was just a little <laughs> bit wider than what she had originally had. And so, looking through the 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 ride sheet or the cues uh, information on the ride they were suggesting at least like a 36 or 38 so that's what we ended up putting on her bike and it fit so that's what we went with and if the tire fits you wear it yes <laughs> very good uh so this is a question i had actually i was curious keith do you lend tires to everybody that you go bicycle camping? <laughs> <laughs> so actually on this trip I ended up letting two of the people that came along with us borrow my tires. And so luckily I had some spares because it was from a bike that I no longer have. And so they were just extra. Um, so I ended up selling that bike and I heard that they wanted to go on a bike camping trip. So I wanted to just see if they would fit and I wasn't sure, but thankfully enough, they, they did and it worked out. Yeah, because there is, like, eventually, if you go big enough, there are tires that won't fit on certain frames. Uh, but but if you if it fits, then you can use it. That's that's nice. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Neither of them have, had fenders, so uh, that wasn't uh, an issue. 
Oh, right. Yeah, that's often the most limiting factor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aaron, have you ever tried to make that happen? What's that? Uh, just getting a tire to fit under a fender that's really not designed to. Uh, yeah, actually, my current <laughs> tires. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, the the original the fenders that are on there said something like uh, up to uh, one and a half inch wide. And I've got like two inch wide on the front. And oh wow! It's like it's like just just a little like beyond the fender, just a little underneath, enough to make it look like it's tight and nestled in. But there's there's not a lot of room for anything underneath that. You know, if if I catch a stone, it's it's just gonna scratch up the the fender a lot. You you hear that? You know that that sound that you get when a stone comes up and, and over the fender. Yeah. It's way, mm-hmm, yeah. it's way worse. <laughs> Just scraping through. Cause yeah. you have metal fenders too, right? Uh, they're no, they're like chromoplast. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so Karen, one of the things I was interested in is that it's been, it's been a couple of years since I took my first bicycle camping trip and Aaron, same for you. Um, we, we haven't had the, the, uh, the wonder, I think of, of what it's like in quite some time. But interestingly enough, my first bicycle camp camping trip was also on a hybrid bike. Ah, there we go. So we got some common yeah. threads of experience here. Uh, so Karen, I'm curious for you, what, uh, first of all, what maybe, what were you worried about? I was most worried about the climb. Uh, I don't know how many feet it was, but at the end there's this stretch where it's just a, all uphill and I was worried about it because I don't really ride long distances and I don't ride a lot of hills. <laughs> okay. Um, and on top of that, like with gear, but um, we rode this, the uphill portion on the second day and we, I guess I kind of cheated. I didn't really bring my gear. We had a van that we were able to drop stuff off. Um, so I definitely took advantage of that. That's a really nice option to have if like, particularly if if it's something you've never done before, it's kind of nice to know that if you do need to bail out, someone has your back. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was very comforting (laughs) to know. Um, But yeah, I mean, just climbing that hill, I was really scared that I would not be fit enough um, because I think everybody in the group uh, bikes a lot and I, I'm probably the one that bikes the least. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, so uh, where did, where did you guys go for that? Cause I realized we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, wh- where was the destination? We went to frog Lake. So we did the frog Lake loop on Mount hood, which um, includes, I believe clear Lake, uh, little crater Lake, frog Lake, and one more Lake that I cannot remember right now. Yeah, like southwest or southeast and uphill from the Portland area. Um, it's really yeah. beautiful up there. I've camped at Frog Lake once uh, for I think it was car camping the time I was there, but it's really nice. Um, so yeah, so there was a hill, and you were you weren't sure how that would go. How did it go? I just honestly got in the zone. Um, I think I was well rested from the night before. Um, had a pretty big uh, breakfast that morning of, and it was. And that also, I think what really helped was everybody was just having a good time and I was having a good time and I wasn't going to let this hill ruin my time. And so um, when we were at that portion where we were climbing, I kind of just got focused and um, had a song stuck in my head <laughs> and kind of focused on that. 
There we go. Our friend David calls that brain radio, uh, where it just kind of shows up and you're like, Oh, this song it's on again. Yep. Very good. Um, and so was this the first time that, uh, you went camping as well? Are you a a camping fan and bicycle, uh, was the element that you hadn't done before? Uh, yeah, definitely a camping fan. Um, so adding the bicycle to the mix was new for me. It's something that I definitely have been wanting to do for years. I just didn't know how to go about it or didn't have the resources or the friends to do it with. Gotcha. Yeah. And so after the webinar, when you were thinking, oh, hey, this is a thing we could do, uh, uh, you said Keith is the guy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, talked to Keith about it. Um, it was over like a we did an afternoon bike ride with one other friend. Uh, her name is Michaela. And, you know, we were riding our bikes and I was like, I really want a bikepacking trip to happen. I just don't know when and where, you know, it's going to happen. And I think we all just kind of looked at each other and collectively agreed that we should do it. There we go. Uh, yeah. Had you heard about Keith's adventures before? Uh, no, I haven't heard of his adventures before. I know he bikes a lot and he does a lot of long distances. I've seen a lot of his Instagram posts, so I know he's really fit. So, (laughs) um, I just wanted to be able to keep up. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. Uh, but you said, Hey, I heard about this bike camping thing. And Keith said, Oh, I've got, I've, I've done that before. Um, I don't think you shared an experience or maybe I'm just forgetting something. Um, but I know you've also done a lot of camping. Um, yeah, I have. So uh, I haven't, it was actually our, our, all of our first time actually doing any bike camping, bike packing. We've done a lot of camping, but never like carrying everything on the bike. So it really was just all of our first times ever doing any bike packing. Oh, very cool. Really. Yeah. Um, so I think with a lot of, a lot of the Instagram and some of the, the social media, uh, outlets kind of inspired us to do that. And so I, I've always wanted to do it, but it was just never something that I actually planned to do, um, with anyone else. I've always thought about doing it, but I was always just so scared and I didn't want to do it all by myself. Yeah. So. yeah that's a big piece of it, right? Cause like it, it's the, the desire to do something and the actual will to make it happen are sometimes two different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you had big tires. Were you, uh, were you a uh, gravel or mountain bicyclist before? N- no. So just this year I got into gravel. Uh, I was always all road all the time. Okay. So, gotcha. For me, gravel biking is is really new, and it's it's a form or discipline of cycling that I have really learned to enjoy and love. And there's less cars. Nice. Yeah, there is that. That is a big draw for gravel biking and and off road to some extent. Is is you're not sharing the road with with cars. Um, I think about um, my one trip out towards Mount Hood and that highway um, after Sandy as you're, as you're heading up. What is that? Is that 26? Highway 26? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it's wide. The shoulder's wide and, and you got that going for you, but 
there's just so much traffic and after a while it just wears down on you yeah and it, and sometimes it's just so hard to put all your your trust and sometimes those cars do get close and it's scary i've oh, yeah. had uh some close calls before just road biking and uh it's not fun yeah we never go into the road situation with any like assurance that everybody's got you know they're on their top of their game they're doing well they're doing what they should be doing and they're not going to hurt us and um mm-hmm. yeah uh it I don't want that to make it sound as though like, you know, no one should go outside, but it certainly is a thing to, to consider. And so, yeah. yeah, again, the gravel is, uh, is a way the the quiet roads where you're going to see one car every 20 minutes, as opposed to, uh, you know, 20 cars every one minute or something. Right. That, that can be nice. And with, um, a group of varying experience, I think it, it just made, uh, one less thing to worry about. Totally. So, yeah. Yeah. Karen, in your experience, what was the traffic like? It was very light. Um, we did have to cross Highway 26, I think, twice. But, you know, I mean, we didn't ride our bikes. We walked our bikes across the highway. <laughs> um, but um, the back roads, uh, it, it was very light. And, you know, it, there were cars, but there was also a group of us. So we were definitely noticeable. And the cars gave us a lot of space. Oh, that's good. There is some safety yeah. in numbers, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I think, Keith, you had mentioned that there was a, a route uh, that had been planned out. Is this something that you created or something that you found from somebody else? So actually, this ma- this uh, route was planned by Molly Sugar. I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah, ah, Ride yeah. with GPS. Yeah, so she's actually an ambassador for Ride with GPS, and I figured if Molly is planning it, then it's going to be a good route, and it will be... Uh, something that I can rely on and it would be something that we would all enjoy. And just by looking at the photos, they were all just so amazing. It's a new world uh, because I think I, when I first started bicycle camping or going out camping by bike, um, some of the only resources I had was uh, just like your standard paper map or um, there was this publication called, uh, was it, get in the saddle or lead in the saddle. I'm trying to remember the name of that zine. It was uh, something you could buy at a bike shop in town. And uh, it was, you know, just a little, little printed book with, with different routes in them. Uh, and yeah, it, we've come a long ways. Cause now like it's a lot easier. You don't have to know someone who makes uh, zines or who has like a publishing house. You can, you can put something on the internet and other people can use it. And uh, your adventure is a great example of why that's a great thing. Yeah, totally. And it, Ride with GPS has made it so easy uh, with navigating through all the routes and navigating through all the turns. Uh, the turn by turn that you get with it is just so helpful and it makes it makes getting lost a lot harder. <laughs> did yeah. you do it? <laughs> did, did I get lost? Yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, well, so I actually, uh, a friend and I, did a trial run uh, of that route in a day just to make sure everything was still okay. And so that helped a lot in navigating with the larger group. Yeah. And that way I could understand or kind of get an idea of where we should stop and how long we, we should take and made it planning a lot easier. That is a really helpful thing for a friend to do. Um, And that, that goes a long ways towards making sure it's going to be a good thing or, or not such a great thing. Aaron, you've had experience with me planning routes (laughs) where it didn't go as well as we hoped it would. You know, but I still talk about that. 
Right. <laughs> we won't go into, into detail about it, but just suffice to say that sometimes if you tell Google, I want to go from here to here, it will, it will take you there, but not necessarily in, uh, in a good way. Not necessarily. Yeah. The best way to go. <laughs> yeah, I, we got onto some gravel we didn't expect and up and down some big hills that were bigger than we thought they'd be. And yeesh. yeah, well, I would even contend with Google, even just with city rides here in Portland, there are times where it, like it wants you to stay on these on these you know bike boulevards or the the neighborhood greenways which they're great but after you get to know the city a little bit you you can realize oh for example why should i take uh 26th when i know 16th actually is much quieter it's not a marked neighborhood greenway but i know you know there's less cars it's less traffic you know things like that that you just sort of pick up from knowing the route or from knowing how to get from point A to point B. Familiarity is, is helpful. Yeah. And Google yeah. doesn't always have familiarity, even though they have satellites and right. camera cars and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so Karen, I, I was curious uh, when we were messaging, setting up the interview, you had uh, included in the message. Uh, I know nothing about bikes. <laughs> I don't know that's entirely true, but I was curious it, on this ride, how much about bikes did you need to know? I guess none. And <laughs> that's because um, I know that Keith will be on the ride. So <laughs> I'm kind of relying on Keith. I know that's a lot to put on Keith. But um, other, I know that other people in the group as well as knowledgeable about bikes. Um, we have a few that are long um, seasoned bike bikers. But as far as my own personal training or... I don't know, technical knowledge. I didn't really seek that out. I did attend, like, when when I first got my bike, I attended a clinic, how to tune up your bike. But I'm going to be honest with you, I forgot how to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things that you kind of have to come back to occasionally and refresh on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And a lot of things that, that we learn, like, we don't really kind of hang on to them unless we use them. Because I've been to... Uh, for my job, multiple first aid classes. And I definitely need my first aid refresher when it comes around. Like it's, oh, <laughs> I yeah. just don't remember all those things. You know, I'm like, I should have a yearly class. Last but, time uh, uh, I encountered somebody, you know, who was choking, I still had to, you know, look it up in the book <laughs> and then, you know, download your little video. reference card. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it, it's one of those things that, yeah, it, it's good to like learn it and then keep on learning it and come back to it when you need it. Uh, and, and eventually, um, so did, did you have to change any uh, flat tires? Do you have any mechanicals or any uh, sort of issues uh, with, with any of your gear on the trip? Luckily, I didn't run into any. Um, the tires that Keith let me borrow are tubeless tires. Oh, nice. And, yeah, so that kind of mitigated the risk of a flat, I think from how Keith described it and explained it to me. <laughs> um, but yeah, aside from that, I think I brought a tool just in case, but didn't have to use it. So congratulations. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we talked about the, that big hill being kind of a low point. What were some of the higher points? Like what were the parts where you, where you're on this ride and you're thinking, Oh, this, this is, this is a good time. This is something I can do. Um, seeing all the lakes were really fun, especially little crater Lake. That was really neat. That um, lake is incredible. Yeah. It's just so deep and so clear. It's insane how deep it is. I think it's 
I think it's 40 feet. And it's so clear that you could see the bottom of it. Um, and then the other high for me is uh, going through some of those single track uh, with lots of like rocks and root features. I really enjoyed that. And there's this one part that it, it was a baby drop, but it must have been like what five inches, maybe like half a foot. <laughs> but um, navigating through that and doing that, you know, drop wheel by wheel was kind of fun. I felt like a mountain biker, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure mountain bikers will disagree. <laughs> But you got a taste of adventure uh, just just right away. You're you're uh, you're skipping like the introductory thing. It's not like this is going to be a, a all road ride. It was it, you had some off road in there, and you got to do something kind of technical. Yeah, that was really fun, and that kind of inspired me to try mountain biking. And I think like a few weekends after, I was able to go out to uh, Bachelor and do the downhill re- uh, resort. The yeah, the downhill um, mountain biking there. Um, I don't know that I do it frequently. I mean, I think once a year is kind of fun for that. (laughs) I like, I I do. I like the aspect of working hard for those um, downhill and like rocky features. Totally. Uh, It's kind of like pumpkin spice, right? Like it's good certain times of the year, but not year round. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I think, um, it's interesting to me. So the, is the bachelor course, is that the one where you uh, put the bike on the, the lift and uh, ride the, uh, the ski lift up to the top? Yeah. 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 That's a, that's a really cool thing. Um, and I haven't done that yet myself, but, uh, I like the idea that you can go out and, uh, and have that experience. I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, you know, I, I guess climbing Hills, but climbing Hills sometimes will keep you from doing a lot of cool things. And that's a place where, the infrastructure is in place and you can, you can pay the fee and go out and do it. Uh, and that gives you some of the, uh, the opportunities to, to have some of that downhill technical stuff. Yeah, that's true. Um, the only thing, yeah, I, 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 that's a pro, uh, of the downhill resorts. Um, I think the reason why I've never, um, considered it or even come across it because it's the entry of barrier is pretty high. Um, like you said, the cost it's, I mean, if you don't have a really nice mountain bike, then you have to rent it. And, you know, it kind of just adds up. And next thing you know, it's mm. a couple of hundred that you're spending in one day. <laughs> yeah. Money, yeah. money, money. Yeah. Yeah. So on, on this camping trip that you folks did, um, when you reached there, uh, what was the, what was the camping situation like? Keith uh, and a few friends are actually able to secure a camping spot on Friday night. Um so yeah, yeah, we didn't have, we didn't, I guess I don't, they might've ran into issues. I, but I wasn't there for it. Perfect. We originally tried to get a spot at meditation point, but unfortunately that was already packed and it honestly felt like people were just reserving spots for everyone, but we weren't sure. And people had just come there like way, we were told that we should have come gotten there like really early in the morning in order to secure a spot. And so wow. we were just a little bit too late to get a spot at meditation point. So we ended up finding a kind of an off, off the road kind of spot that was, uh, it seemed like it was a, a camping spot that somebody had occupied before. So that's what we ended up taking. And it was right next to the lake too. So 
Nice. It, it, it ended up working out, and yeah. luckily we were able to find a spot large enough for everyone to fit their tents. And so this is uh, dispersed camping. It wasn't like an organized campground where you, uh, where you made reservations or what have you. It was just kind of show up and see what you can find? Yes, it was a dispersed camping spot. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I love the fact that dispersed is a thing because that really opens up the options. I think when I think about um, where I would go, I think it's uh, oftentimes I'm just like, is there a campground there? Uh, and if there is, usually it's full. And so when I discovered the idea that, well, it, National Forest is there, and we pay for it, so uh, we can we can camp there. And it's nice that it's kind of it's an allowable option. Yeah, it really made things uh, a lot easier um, because if we weren't able to get a spot, then it would have been not a, it wouldn't have been a, too difficult to get a, a dispersed site in the area. So it, totally, it was awesome, and the. The view that we had waking up in the morning next to the lake, it was it was perfect. That's awesome. Uh, when was this in the middle of summer? Uh, end of August. There we go. So kind of the tail end of summer, but uh, yeah. before the forest fires, which is good. Yes, yeah. Yeah. Right before. And, uh, and, and yeah, just still kind of you have the good weather that you want when you go camping. Yeah, not too hot, not too cold. It was, it was perfect. That's amazing. Uh, let, let's talk about food. Uh, how did you guys handle dinner, breakfast, and uh, meals on the road? <laughs> I think that's Keith laughing. Um, <laughs> so, did uh, someone forget? <laughs> no, 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 no. We were definitely ready. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. Well, I can share one thing I brought, which is <laughs> a bag of wine. Well, it's a boxed wine, but it took the box out. Um, totally. Yeah, that's most <laughs> of the Inside every box, yeah. there's a bag. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's all I brought, really. <laughs> that's all you <laughs> need. <laughs> but, um, but we did uh, do potluck style. And so some people brought, you know, steaks. Some people brought um, ingredients for, like, a Mexican-themed dinner, like tortillas and um, vegetables, onion peppers. Um I think Keith was laughing because I'll let Keith <laughs> share well, his story. So, so luckily at the trailhead of Meditation Point, there's a parking spot. So the night before, we had set everything up. We brought a cast iron, um, an actual stove, and a cooler. So we were able to just drop everything off and and really just set it up as if we were glamping so i guess it was kind of bike glamping it ended up turning out great and um it was just a great way a great intro to bike camping totally yeah well it's nice too like depending on what you have available and how much you want to spend like either if you have friends that can meet you somewhere and set something up for a first time or if like you did you can you can kind of stage and, and uh, cash some things ahead of time or there are mm -hmm. places you can go to you know, like resorts or what have you where you could get a tent or a cabin or something and that that takes some of the edge off uh, particularly for people who haven't camped before but uh, like we were saying earlier Karen you've definitely camped before Keith you as well Yes. Yes. You yeah. no, no stranger to camping. Um, mm -hmm. I'm curious what your uh, bedtime setup is. What uh, What do you sleep in? What do you sleep on? So, my tent is like a hand me down from my sister, and 
It's just an old Coleman tent. It's not even rated for like cold weather, but I think for for the time that we went camping, it was perfect. And the tent that I have is just like, it's actually too heavy of a tent to be, well, it's, it's okay. It's like, I wasn't fully set up to go minimalist bike camping. Right. So it was just, I, what I wanted to do was just bring whatever I have and not try to get everything new. Totally. And so, cause that would have cost a lot of money to get uh-huh. like an alt- ultralight <laughs> in this economy. Packing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I just, I tried to use as much as I, I had and tried not to get everything new. Totally. Um, just because that just, who knows if I would even enjoy bike camping and I right? just wasn't sure. So it, it made it, a lot easier to just drop it off and just use what I have already. Totally. Yeah. And the tent you have is, uh, is a better tent than the tent you don't have in some cases. So yeah. Yeah. I remember back way back, I had a tent. It was like, I don't know, probably from the seventies and it had, um, I think it might've been aluminum, but it might've been steel. It was a really heavy connector piece that all the poles snapped into. Um, and that would not be the right one for bike camping. Not that you couldn't do it, but it would be really heavy. And so, um, yeah, but at the same time, it's nice to have like, you know, whatever you've got, let's, let's see how that fits into the picture. Right. Because I think a lot of people wait until they have like the perfect kit to go do something. And, um, like you remember, Kara, what I was talking about um, when we met was just the idea of that. That's that's really counterproductive in most cases. Like, do what you can with what you have, and then like kind of upgrade and move out from there. Well, and and the perfect kit isn't necessarily the perfect kit for you. Sure. Um, you know, uh, I remember you telling a story, Brock, about uh, somebody just going out with, with a tarp and like, that's their thing. And then you went and tried it on a solo camp and you were like, I'm not doing this ever again. Well, it turns out if you sleep where there are bugs and you don't have a tent, they will find you. <laughs> they will um, find and you. And so it works really well. for. So the first night of that trip, I was in the gorge and there was super strong winds and it was super cool. It was out by the river. You could see the stars. It was awesome. Second night, no wind bunch of bugs uh the tarp didn't work the same way there so yeah depending on where you're going it you know you have to plan kind of for what your needs will be but uh so for both of you uh what what are are your sleeping bags and what are your sleeping pads i have um a hyperion sleeping bag and a i'm sorry uh a thermarest hyperion sleeping bag and a i think like a big agnes um sleeping pad those are Um, luxurious I do I do mountaineering so that's why um they're on the and I've been transitioning all my gear to lightweight stuff because I've been on mines before where I had all my you know the entry level stuff and it just I'm a petite girl I'm five foot one and so weight just kind of adds up and the max I can carry is 40 pounds and it's so easy to meet that threshold and so this year I started uh transitioning my stuff to lighter weight gear um and also in preparation for this backpacking trip i'm like okay i really need lightweight stuff now because i (laughs) that climb was like in the back of my mind Uh, (laughs) right yeah yeah you want to make sure yeah like you say it's like it it, it, there's the thing the place between cutting your toothbrush in half and just like bringing everything somewhere in there there's the happy meeting for everybody Uh, Mm um and yeah again just bicycling up you, you you could do it 
with a bunch of stuff, but it would be nice if it, uh, if it was a little lighter. So now that big Agnes is something I've been wanting for a long time and haven't, haven't purchased yet, but those are so comfortable. Yeah. It's, um, I did get a model that, um, I should have been prepared for this. Uh, you know, the review said, Oh, it leaks. And um, I said, I'll, I'll try it. it and it does leak. <laughs> okay. So uh, just heads up. The reviews are true. You know, it's okay. always a chance. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's maybe, always the danger maybe, with all the uh, inflatable pads, right? Yeah. And I, maybe the newer models are better now, but um, uh, thankfully I didn't like pay a whole lot. I think I got it from a, like, uh, like out outdoorgear.com or something. Um, but yeah, just a heads up. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Keith, what do you sleep in and on? Um, mine is a old Coleman sleeping bag. Classic. It's pretty big. I like how Coleman big. is representing here. <laughs> <laughs> it, it really is not packable and it isn't really cold rated whatsoever. Uh, but it's what I had. And also the tent that I have, I found one actually for fairly cheap. It's a like a $30 tent, but they called it an ultralight tent. And uh, yeah, it's it gets the job done. There you go. Uh, did you also have a pad? Uh, yeah, I, I have a, uh, the sleeping pad that I have is like a $25 eBay sleeping pad. There you go. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. Did and it, it worked. Trick? Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. There and I've, I've had that sleeping pad for a few years now and it works great. Excellent. Um, yeah. I was thinking about when you said the, the Coleman bag, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Cause I think I had one growing up and, um, I don't think they've changed all that much over the years. Uh, they're, they're kind of overstuffed. They're pretty big, but they also have a lot of their own like padding capability. Like the, the bag is, is dense enough that like, I think it adds to, to how comfortable you might be at night. Yeah, it does. And it's kind of too big, but I had to make it work. It's only too big for certain applications. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I probably would want to get a smaller sleeping bag if I were to bike pack again. So it was a good learning experience. There you go. Well, you got to road test stuff and see how it works. The bag mm -hmm. that I have is an old, like, like vintage REI that my sister gave me like 12 years ago or something. Uh, and I've been using it ever since, but it's, it's really only rated down so far. Um, and it's not a down, it's like a synthetic fill. And, uh, I have been out several times where it's too cold for the bag. And I'm like, I should really upgrade. But then every other time I go camping, it's not so bad. And so I just have that one experience every couple of years. I'm like, well, it's really cold. Um, and so yeah, uh, upgrades are in everybody's future at some point. You know, but but I think it's it's a good idea to see how far you can go with what you have too. Uh, especially if like it, most of us have limited resources, and so you don't want to go out and spend money on everything. Uh, so you just kind of see what what is it that I really need to keep mm -hmm. this from being uh, not like no fun, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, are you guys coffee people? I am. Yeah. Okay. What did you do with coffee in the morning? Um, I brought instant coffee, the ones you find from the Asian store that's already like cappuccino. So all you do is add water. Yeah. Um, yeah, I brought a few of those for the group. And I think somebody brought tea as well. Very nice. And you had the stove, so you were ready to go. Was that a Coleman stove too? <laughs> uh, it's close. I, okay. Yeah. Close to a Coleman. But we also, they also brought their own stoves as well. So oh, there we go. 
yeah so everyone could heat up their own water and it worked out perfect nice the, what are the uh, other stoves of choice uh, we had a snow peak um the ultralight snow peak stove and then also the msr i think it's the the feather or the international yeah Yeah, feather light or international one of those just having white gas is so easy to use i'm glad you have that experience i've still never figured out how to light that stove well without turning it into an enormous fireball (laughs) but i think it's because i didn't read the directions closely enough or because i'm too ambitious every morning camping with you you're just (laughs) trying to light that stove (laughs) yeah so i think i cut you off what were you gonna say yeah that it takes a lot of practice trying yes. to get it right because you just have to like prime it a little bit and then make sure the bowl has some fuel in it and then light it but yeah it, it definitely takes a lot of practice getting it right finesse some, yeah sometimes it just overfills and then gets everywhere <laughs> you know what so, i'm talking about yeah yeah it, it's scary sometimes <laughs> yep i uh, just that the one with the uh, that's got the little um, pressurized canister that you like pressurize yourself. You pump air into it to to make the gas yeah. come out at a reasonable pace and all that. Mm-hmm. There's that, and then we also had the the canister as well. The uh, the what the screw on. The, I believe the Snow Peak is just a screw on as well. Yeah, yeah. Those those are a little easier, I think, in some ways. But yes, but we did have an incident where we had a cast iron on the titanium Snow Peak. How'd that go? And uh, the snow peak did not hold up to the cast iron. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah, so it, it, after a while, it just started to bend over, and uh-huh. it was just like melt. I don't know if it was melting or if the titanium just got soft, but it didn't work out. So we had to swap o- swap over the stoves. Oh. Yeah, multiple f- physical forces acting on the, on the stove. <laughs> yeah, so definitely don't put a cast iron on on a snow peak titanium stove it's not rated for that there we go all right good to know <laughs> yeah we have uh, our friend matt piccio has been on the show years back uh, he he called himself the cast iron cyclist and he took pride in carrying a cast iron skillet in his bag um, <laughs> but he's certainly in the minority and it's i don't remember what i feel like a lot of people that would do that would probably use like like a wood fire like a campfire to cook over so uh, I always carry a cast iron stove when I do bike camping. Uh, I and, always carry a, a a fire ring so that you can use your cast iron. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm joking. Always, I don't. It's always an open fire. I don't, I've never tried it on a stove of any kind. Yeah, no, the except, way to certainly except my to stove at home. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, I I guess titanium and cast iron don't really go well together. So. That's so interesting. <laughs> I would have, I would have done exactly that, honestly. Oh yeah, totally. You save, just see what's going to happen. Yeah, save weight on the stove, but bring a cast iron. You got to cut weight somewhere, right? <laughs> That's right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The lightweight cook set is not going to act the same way. It's not going to be seasoned. It's not going to have what you need. You know. So right, exactly. <laughs> so uh, was this an out and back? Did you guys ride back as well? It was a loop. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There. Oh, oh, I see. Gotcha. So you kind of stage and then, and then go out and then, yeah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Very good. Uh, were you, were you sore at all or, or was it kind of within your ability? I actually think it was within my ability. I don't remember getting particularly sore like a day after or two days after. And That's so great. That was, yeah. 
and surprise myself. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of those things for a first time experience where I feel like it's good to kind of like, you know, be ambitious, but not too ambitious and just kind of do a thing that will uh, hopefully make it fun to do again someday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's next? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what kinds of things would you like to try next? I think. Um, there is, uh, like a route in the, uh, by the Deschutes river that I'd like to try. It's super easy and super flat. Um, it's also very entry level. So I don't know if my friends would be interested in that, but that's something I'd like to try or maybe like invite, you know, other beginners to come along with. Um, but yeah, that's one that I have in mind. Yeah, that's the one. There's a state park there, and it's a gravel route that goes kind of up the Deschutes from the Columbia into the hills. Yes. Yeah, uh, I've yeah. backpacked that. Just kind of, I was I was testing my my backpack one time before I'd never really done any backpacking to speak of, and so I uh, wanted to make sure it worked okay. And so we did our our test hike there. It wasn't really a hike, so to speak, because it was just kind of. Uh, you know, it, it's more or less flat, I think, for many, many miles. But the place that we landed was beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a fire there a couple of years ago. It is kind of, I think it's bouncing back to with the point where it's a little greener again. And that's a beautiful spot. So that that's high on my list of places I enjoyed. And I think you'd probably like to. Cool. Awesome. If I'm not mistaken, I want to say uh, uh, Paula uh, and some friends were just out there. Aaron. Oh, snap. They were out there last weekend. Yeah, You're I right. think I saw some Instagram pictures of that. Which is cool. We should we should get them on to talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, what else, Karen? Is there anything else that you were like, oh, I should uh, I should put this on my list of things to to try someday? Um, I want to say there's a, a loop around Hag Lake. I haven't done any research, um, but if you if you if you've ridden out there and if you'd like to share some tidbits, um, I would appreciate it. Uh, I think it's from what I can tell, it's a loop around the lake. But I may be just making that up. Yeah, it's a beautiful spot. I, I want to say I've ridden it because I think there's there's a road that goes all the way around. And it's uh, it's a really beautiful setting. I know they had a fire up there this year, too. So um, it's tricky, I guess, to find out what, what, what was burnt and what was not and kind of what, what that allows us to do in the next coming mm-hmm. season. But, but no, it's a beautiful place as well. And there's uh, some, some nice serene lake shores to be. I guess there's a lot of lake shore up there to hang out on. Oh, heck, I just... I just mapped it. So Hag Lake's yeah. just kind of southwest of Forest Grove. Yeah, not too far from uh, the yeah, Max Light Rail. So if you wanted to ride the really train out to, there and, and start yeah. from Forest Grove, yeah, or from Hillsboro. Yeah, it's a good idea. Very cool. Uh, well, can I ask you before we wrap up, Karen, um, your Instagram handle? Can we share your Instagram handle? Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sure. So it's Pogs Champion is your Instagram handle. Um, you must oh. be pretty good at Pogs, I'm assuming. Well, nobody's ever challenged me, so I still hold the title, I guess. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Uh, did you did you have a large collection, or do you still? I don't. Okay. Um, All right. But back then, yes. Um, totally. I mean, yeah. this is when I was very young, like maybe like five, eight years old. You know, when yeah. they would they would include the slammers and the Happy Meals. That's when I had it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. No, I, I was really jealous of people for a long time that had them. And then I inherited like uh, just a scad of them. Uh, and then I realized I was like, oh, I, there's no way I'll ever be able to like trade or lose all of these. Like there's so many. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, I don't remember where they came from, but uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah it's, it, there's the ones that you really want, the ones you value, the ones you'd never play. Um, and then of course there's the slammers, which are lovely. Um, Aaron, were you a Pogs fan? 
I was not. Okay. I think I think I just missed that. Right. I'm I'm just a little too old for for that threshold. Well, I think we determined that uh, when what when I was a freshman, you would have been a senior or something along those lines. So, or maybe yeah. a little bit, yeah, ish. No, oh, I yeah. think I would have graduated already. <laughs> okay. So, needless to say, you were way cooler than I was. Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, Keith, did you have a Pog collection? I did. So, okay. my brother actually got me into Pogs, but I never did any tournaments or anything like that. I think I just mainly enjoyed collecting them. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that was a big thing, too, right? Because you could get the albums and, and display them. Um, mm-hmm. And again, the ones that you would never play because they were too too valuable or too treasured. But mm-hmm. yeah, uh, well, I, I think the next thing to do might also be to uh, to find out a way to do like a Pogs themed bicycle tour. Ooh. If there was a, like some way, if, if the route could be determined either by like who won or lost, you know, like say, <laughs> say you collect the most Pogs, you get to choose the direction for the next day. And uh, I'm curious, I'm going to put my thinking hat on for this one, but. That would be All fun. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Keith, did you want to share an Instagram handle or anything else? Yeah, so I actually have uh, my cousins and I, we uh, put together cheap bikes that we find on, on uh, like, Craigslist. Uh, and it's Islets and Options. Nice. And so, yeah, that's uh, pretty much where we like to put our bikes up on the Instagrams. I love it. Very good. So if people want to follow your adventures from here on out, if they want to see that pog themed tour, they can, they can go there. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Um, I guess maybe the last question would be what, what piece of the bicycle would be the best slammer? I I'm trying to imagine in my mind, <laughs> what can I make one out of? The 10 tooth cassette. Perfect. The, the last tooth of the cassette. Absolutely. Or the, the smallest chain. Right. That'd chain. be the most dangerous slammer ever. Yeah. <laughs> Depending on how much use that uh, cassette has seen, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate you guys making time in your night. And uh, I'm so glad that you had the uh, experience, and I hope you have more. Thank Sweet. you. Thank nice you. to meet you. Bye. Nice to meet you, too. Did you wrap up that Waterloo? What's that? Did you wrap up that Waterloo? No, I still got a little bit left. All right. Do they have it at the Beer Mongers? No. Ooh. So we should talk to Sean. About I, I don't think they have. So I'm, I didn't say this earlier, but Waterloo is like sometimes $2 more per case than the other brands. Well, it's premium. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kind of like that Spindrift, I think, might be a little more expensive, but that's because it's better. It's good. Yeah. I had a talking to. <laughs> but from, from your budget from, department? From my, uh, my accountant. Yes. yes. <laughs> We need to reallocate funds or terminate these purchases. Exactly. Yeah. I do know you said that uh, the non-alcoholic section of the beer monger has gotten larger. Yeah, it's gotten way more extensive. That's pretty cool. I'm excited. I need to go back and see them sometime. I, uh, I'm in town so infrequently these days that uh, I just I haven't been. But I do know they also have, uh, was it Paul's Patio is the thing. 
Yes. Because Paul is a loyal patron, loyal customer. And this is the thing. That one of the best parts about the beer mongers is that if you are a loyal patron and you stick around long enough, eventually you will be Something integral. will get named after you. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> well, because in, in Chris's, uh, like he, he built the bar and he built the big, or he carved the big stick that hangs from the ceiling. Yes. Uh, and so he's certainly... Uh, integral to the the foundations, the very uh, the very material of the beer mongers, and Paul is just a big fan of the beer mongers and sports, and so they have now a lovely outdoor garden. All the uh, all the photos I see from John Beermonger these days, yeah. uh, or from the beer mongers uh, on Instagram, is that uh, they've got this amazing outdoor patio. They finally yeah. uh, they finally secured permission from the people to allow it to be there, to allow it to persist and to continue. And my favorite thing uh, was that a couple weeks ago, they had these umbrella hats because there was like little like, you know, like joke umbrella oh, hats. Yes. I remember yes. from like, like when I was a kid, like it was just like, haha, it's an umbrella that goes on your head. But these are full on like the radius is like the real deal man. of an actual umbrella. Yep. It is designed to fit upon your head so that you can be outside drinking beer in Paul's patio for longer in the season. And I believe they were selling them. I don't know if they're sold out. I don't know if you could buy another one, but... If I lived closer, I certainly would. I would like to see them uh, brand their own where it says uh, that review from the Willamette Week. That's right. Uh, Pretty okay. All, what, what was all, it? All the right beer. Was it all the right breweries? All the None wrong the beers, right beers. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which they put on a shirt because like, why not? Because, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because Sean and control. team know how to handle it, how to roll with the punches and how to be better than the press yes so while i did not get this drink at the beer mongers i will say i do appreciate the beer mongers and their continued support of this show absolutely me too yeah they've been really good to us for many years and so we would like to be good to them for many years to come so thank you beer mongers and Sorry, I'm like doing two things at once. That's okay. <laughs> Thank you, beer mongers, and pour one out for you. Cheers. That's right. Mm. Just a couple things of cutting and pasting here. No worries. All right. <laughs> Sound effects. I like it. Maybe we'll have... Should we just use that every week? <laughs> just cut that out <laughs> and use that for our sounders. Well, if if uh, understood Guthrie correctly, I could load that sound onto one of these ports here. Mm, yeah, I'm into it. Question is, am I adept enough to be able to like switch fast enough? Right. Yeah. Well. Well. I love. I love. I love. I love my calendar. <laughs> don't. Don't ever use that. Too bad. <laughs> we'll use at least part of that <laughs> for the rest of time. Hey, listeners. What's happening in the rest of time? Yeah, well, we are starting our calendar again. So if you have a COVID responsible event you would like us to promote, let us know. Email us at the sprocket podcast at gmail.com. Call or text 503-847-9774 or send it via Twitter and or Instagram at sprocket podcast. Or Facebook, if it's at least a month away. Or, yeah. <laughs> so, coming up, the first Saturdays in Portland is the Civil Unrest Ride. 
Join us once again at our monthly ride in person. We are asking that everyone who attends bring a mask and we stay at least six feet away from each other. We will be, we will be placing notes of hope on two bridges so that we can do some more riding. And there will be one supply stop and one park stop during the ride. And I just happened to be riding, was it last week? No, couldn't have been last week. The, Did you encounter been, them? What's that? I didn't encounter, Did encounter them. them? It, was on okay. a, it was on a Monday afternoon I was riding, and I was going across the Tilikum Bridge, and I saw what I would assume is is one of their, no, well, two of their Notes of Hope hanging. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really cool. That's awesome. What does the Note of Hope consist of? Uh, just encouragement um, for anyone who's thinking of, of maybe jumping. Uh, okay. You know. Letting them know like, that there's people who care. That's great. That's really, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Very good. That doesn't sound like civil unrest to me. Ah, no. That sounds like care. Well, they but are not resting. Maybe caring is civil care. unrest. They are, yeah. they won't rest until everyone is civil. How's that? That's right. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Fabulous. Every second Friday of the month is the Boston Bike Party. And Whoa! associated, associated with the Boston Bike Party, um, it's not regular, so I haven't been able to put it on the calendar, um, is the Ride for Black Lives in Boston. Nice. So go to the Boston Bike Party website and check out when the next one is. Excellent. Every second Sunday in Portland is the Corvidai Bike Club Ride. Caca! They ask you, please mask up and social distance. COVID-19 is still raging. Yes, it is still out there. Yeah. October, yep, numbers are up. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're climbing again. October 24th, the San Jose Bike Party presents the Dia de los Muertos ride. I would love to join. I had one of the best experiences uh, in San Jose. Just happened happened upon a, a Dia, de lo, Dia de los Muertos celebration there. In was the there city. a ska band there? There was lots of ska yeah actually yeah it was so (laughs) great i have such great memories of it i would love to join for that ride but i don't think i could make it down there plus next year like yeah i don't know how responsible that would be anyways october 30th through november 6th this is a new one the love to ride challenge in florida i'll give you some details when we read our mail yeah thank you joseph for that yeah November 6th is Bikes Not Bombs 10th Annual Building Momentum Breakfast in Roxbury, Mass., which is near Boston. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Every day of the year. Hey, listeners, if you want to sing our calendar bumper. That's right. That's absolutely right. Record yourself on your phone. Email you can do it, it better than me. The Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. Love it. Get your friends and sing in three-part harmony. (laughs) But do it with a a socially distanced manner that doesn't spread. Or do it with your family. Because if you're all sick together, then it's okay. That's not what I meant. You're in the same household anyway. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have to do it in harmony. You could do it like, you know. uh, You could do like like a a football club cheer. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, guess what we got? Music we have rights to? Yes. What can compare with the thrill of a brand new bike? I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. I like my bike, it's fast. It circles around the city lights. 
I would be curious to find out if we have yet reached the point at which uh, it's been longer since Hurtbird was a performing band uh, than it is like that we've been using that music. Oh, definitely. I think we've been <laughs> okay. using it longer than they've been together. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. 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 Kind of like, you know, the, the, the year when I was 36, I had been, you know, an adult as long as I had ever been anything other than an adult. And so, yeah. Um, I believe this is when our podcast becomes a man. I believe last year was marked the year that I had been in Portland longer than in any other city. Yeah. I, I, As an adult, begrud- I know it's to begrudging be- to you, but I'm glad that you're here. <laughs> I'm glad I'm here. Yeah. I w- well, yeah. yeah. I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I thought maybe your feet were getting itchy. Oh, <laughs> no. All right. Whoops. That's good. I'm also, I'll just note that your suspenders are glinting in the light. Yeah. You like that? I think that's, yeah, it's great. I've, I've really leaned into the, uh, the suspender look here. and into reflection. Uh, it's also, hey, it's it's mock turtleneck weather. Hey. You know? <laughs> That's right, because it's not cold enough for a real turtleneck. No. But it's it's chilly. We're getting <laughs> we're getting to fall. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I'll just right. say working so, from home, I miss the bicycle commutes. I feel like I should be out feeling the weather more often. Okay. I or will, am I wrong? I, you know, this we're already on a tangent and that's fine. This happened to me. The the last couple of days, I went out dressed lighter than I normally would, uh-huh. and I came home warm. Okay, I'm 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 trying I'm trying to do that thing where you don't layer up right away. Okay, I, I haven't done that before. So far, oh, okay. so good. Yeah. I, I've uh, I've never done that before. Usually, I I bundle up because I hate being cold all at any t- given time. Yeah, you know. And then I end up like sweating through a layer or two by the time I get to my destination. Right. Yeah, I'm familiar with that. That's what I would usually do. Yeah. Now I sweat through all the layers before I go outside. <laughs> hey, we got uh, some hey, news. Headlines. <laughs> From City Lab, nine reasons to eliminate jaywalking laws now. Now. Because they're dumb. Yes. Why? Why are they so dumb? That's it's not one of the reasons, but I think that's sort of like the, the that's subtext. That's the better, that's the overarching each, reason. Yeah. Uh, so each each one of these comes with a paragraph. We'll just read them, read them off. Uh, yeah. You want to go every other one? Absolutely. Jaywalking right. is made up by auto companies to deflect blame when drivers hit pedestrians. Because drivers hit pedestrians, but people want to say that it's something else. It's they came out of nowhere. Unavoidable. Two, the the concept of jaywalking encourages drivers to be aggressive towards pedestrians, and for third parties to ignore or excuse pedestrian deaths, as if they don't belong in the public street. Right. I mean, and obviously there are some like common sense things where people shouldn't get hit, right? But also, it's not their fault. Right. In most cases, it's not their fault. Uh, our streets are not designed to make walking safe or convenient. That's part of the reason it's not their fault most yes. times. Yes. Um, there's a great cartoon. Cartoon? Yeah. Comic? Uh-huh. Little, Is it little funny? One, one frame. Uh, it's poignant. Okay. Because I think if it's funny, it's a comic. It, uh, if it's not I funny, see. it could be a cartoon. Right. Right. All comics are cartoons, but not all cartoons are comic. <laughs> Essentially, it... it uh, it draws uh, like a city intersection, except instead of like streets, it's just a big canyon. 
and then the sidewalks, you know, are there, and then there's bridges where the crosswalks would be essentially, you know, uh, illustrating that, you know, uh, pedestrians only belong in these really narrow parts of this otherwise, you know, wide berth. Right. Number four. Pedestrians are almost as likely to be struck and killed at an intersection as mid-block. Yeah, a lot of the same dynamics at play. Mm -hmm. Uh, When pedestrians jaywalk, they are often behaving rationally. Uh, They're following desire paths. Yes. Six, jaywalking laws are not enforced fairly. Right. Absolutely. There was a video that I saw months back now that kind of illustrated mm-hmm. the, yeah, but it's like, it's one of those things where like, if your tail lights out, it's uh, it's a reason to get harassed. Yes. Uh, same with jaywalking. If, uh, if you're walking somewhere, um, that's, it's a codified reason for someone to be able to detain you when yeah. not everyone will be detained. For yeah. example, me, a big white guy, less likely to be detained. You Shouldn't will probably be not be detained. Shouldn't be that way. You're on number seven. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> jaywalking stops are free, uh, frequently explosive. What does that mean? Well, I imagine that oh. relates to number six in that they oh, are not right. enforced fairly. Right, right. And so yeah. like things escalate when police talk to people who are jaywalking. Um, that tends to turn into a big deal when it doesn't really need to be a big deal. Correct. Gotcha. Number eight, the focus on jaywalking reflects the lower political status of those who walk hyphen not the societal harm of the activity because what is the societal harm of, of the activity? Very little. Right. Yep. Um, and the safest countries globally allow jaywalking or it's not a thing or yeah. 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 I don't know if allow jaywalking. I don't know if I would word it that way. I would just say like the safest countries don't have, don't have a concept for it. Let's say they permit all people to exist in the commons together. The commons. I like the street as a yeah. commons. Yeah. Well, that that's uh, that's a good list, and I'm glad that we got to look at it. Yeah. Thank you. We don't have a list of our own, but you know what we do have. What's that? We got mail. Hey, we got mail. There it is. <laughs> We got a piece of mail from Jason Offenberg. Jason Offenberg. He says, Hi, Sprocket Podcast. Something for your calendar, possibly, for listeners in Florida. Yes. There is the Love to Ride Florida Challenge, October 30th. Oh, through November 30th. Oh, the whole month of October. I'm going to go back and edit that right now so I don't forget. There we go. Background. The state of Florida is celebrating its third annual Mobility Week from October 30th to to November 6th. Mobility Week encourages agencies, employers, and residents to organize an event or take a mobility action to bring attention to the safe multimodal transportation options. However, there is a twist. Twist. Mobility Week will kick off a month-long bike challenge. It's called Love to Ride Florida Challenge, and it starts October 30th. Tailwinds. Jason Oftenberg. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's lovely. Uh, And that's the sort of thing. That's exactly what we're looking for is for people to send things to us so we can send them to you. Yes. Well, hey, uh, we're just about done here. Um, I think we mentioned uh, on previous episodes that uh, we've got – 
a couple of new folks who have joined us, right? Uh, that uh, Armando and Joan yeah. are brand new in their hosting capacity and they're doing an amazing job. So you're going to hear their voices more often. Oh, yeah. Um, got me, who you thought was gone and then came back. And uh, well, you sorry. never really left, just like Mr. T. I was going to say, whether there's that, uh, but, but seriously, it's, uh, I, I am excited to be able to join this because, you know, if we were doing things in studio, I'm a long ways from the studio these days, but quite, uh, I get to be involved in more than just a producer's <laughs> capacity from time to time. And I like that. I like you guys. I like talking to you and I hope yeah. you like hearing my voice. If you don't write to us, this bucket podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> get him off. Five zero three eight four seven nine seven seven four. And then, of course, Guthrie uh, is, uh, has spent some time traveling. I'm really excited. We're going to have to have him share some of his stories. About He's going to be road. back He's, soon. Yeah, yeah. So he'll be back on as well. And that's good. It's awesome. I, uh, I think you and I have always had the high value of uh, the Sprocket Podcast is not just Aaron Flores, much as I wish it was because we're a cool brand. <laughs> it's not just I, Brock. It's not just like one person. It's, it's a nope. bunch of folks. Yeah, exactly. We are all Negan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that good or bad? Uh, he's actually a bad guy. We should, I should not say it like that. We, I'm Spartacus. We are all I was going to say for the, for the, the number of times I've made that reference, is that a yeah. good thing or a bad it's, thing? It's bad. Okay. Never mind. So, I'm Brian but, and my wife's Brian. <laughs> That's a better one. We're a team. There's a bunch of people on team Sprocket. Yes. Team sincerity, and that's—I think—that's the thing, right? Everybody. Uh, uh, what, what do we say on our online description? We uh, uh, we bring snark and heart in equal portions. In equal portions, the core of sincerity. I, and that's what everybody everybody uh, that's involved has, I think. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, the tricky part is getting the, those folks that have less on mic experience to kind of ratchet up that snark factor. It'll come. <laughs> yeah, you're good. I, I, I would just say uh, you'll have to poke them a little bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I would say that's where I would I would maybe put a little call to action for our listeners. Feel free to... To, I don't know, write to Armando and Joan, get them to come out of their shells, so to speak. Yeah. And they're not really in shells, but you know what I mean. Welcome them to the show. <laughs> Give them the old sprocket welcome. Give them the old sprocket welcome. <laughs> Whose team? Home team. Everybody wins. It's football season, right? Sure. Are there, are there I don't sports? Know. I, I know that football is going, but are there seasons anymore? Like, well, that's hockey, true. Hockey just wrapped up like three weeks ago. Right. Some TV shows shouldn't have more seasons. Uh, I think uh, Mexican football is still going on. All right. Well, there we go. Yeah. Oh, shoot. Go, sports. <laughs> All right. Let's, Should we call this thing? Let's do call this. this thing over. <laughs> the Sprocket Podcast was formerly produced at xray.fm, but no longer. Now it is produced at home. Yes. Our website is thesprocketpodcast.com. Email to the Sprocket Podcast at gmail.com. Call or text to 503-847-9774. Twitter and the Instagrams at Sprocket Podcast. Thanks to Ryan J. Lane for our theme music. Hurt Bird for our headline sounder. Marcus Norman for graphic design. 
Yeah, and thanks to the generous support of our Patreon supporters and listeners, Shadowfoot, Wayne Norman, Eric Iverson, Cameron Lean, Richard Wazinski, Tim Mooney, Glenn Kubish, Matt Kelly, Eric Weiss, Todd Parker, Chris Smith, Caleb Jenkinson, J.P. Culey, Peanut Butter Jar Matt, Marco Lowe, Rich Otterstrom, Andrew in Colorado, Drew the Welder, Anna, Andre Johnson, King of Division, Richard G., Guthrie Straw, Aaron Green, author of We Were Like Sons and founder of the Regrainery. <laughs> Excuse me. It's all that sawdust from the regrainery. Campsite. <laughs> Mac Nurse David. Nathan Poulton. Rory in Michigan. Jeremy Kitchen. David Belay. Tim Coleman. Harry Hugel. Great episode, Harry. Good to have you. EJ Farron. Thanks it. for the bike. Brad Hipwell. Thomas Skato. Keith Hutchinson. Thanks for the grape. Ranger Tom. Joyce Wilson. Ryan Tam. Uh, where was I? Uh, Jason Oftenberg. Thanks for the. Florida. Thanks for writing in. Microcosm Publishing, David Moore. Todd Grossbeck, Chris Barron, Chris, Chris Barron, Barron, Chris Barron, Chris Barron, and Chris Barron. <laughs> Sean Baird, Simon Pace, Gregory Braithwaite. Brian Morrow, Dude Luna, Matthew Rooks. Kaka! Kaka! Marshall. Paulette Funitake, Cyclecraft. Philip M. Philip M. Spartan Dale. No, no relation. relation. Mr. T, who never really left. Bike Initiative, Kiwana. Sarah G. Sarah G. Adam D. Go dig a hole. Beth Hammond. Greg Murphy. Myra Martinez. Oso. Isaac M. David Christensen. 503. Byron Patterson. Kirsten Graham. And our newest donor, Aaron G. Aaron G. And all of our Ooh. former donors who helped us get this far. Now, wash your hands. And wear a mask. Over your nose. Yes. And your mouth. Oh, over the nose. Most importantly, over the nose. Because <laughs> if it goes over your nose, it'll go over your mouth. Exactly. So make sure you cover them both, but not your eyes. All nose coverings are mouth coverings, but not all mouth coverings are nose coverings. That is true. All right. Well, all right, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun.